Um, I want to get right in the Word today. You guys ready? Because today we're talking about one of my favorite topics, and, it, and we're going to talk about not just purpose, but we're going to talk about where purpose comes from, how you know when you found your purpose. I, I'm shocked when I, I just read a study the other day, and that's the shocking part. I read a study the other day, but, but the other day, I'm, I'm shocked at what the study said. It says this, that four in five Americans, 81%, believe there's an ultimate purpose and plan for every person's life. Now, first of all, just to say the sentence, 81% of Americans believe we, we agree on something. We believe something and we agree on it. That's already pretty cool, right? Did you know that of 24 to 35-year-olds, the same percent believe that the earth is round and the rest of them believe that the earth is flat? That's how much of an anomaly this is. That 8 out of 10, over 8 out of 10 Americans believe that every person born, every person in existence, the breath of life in your lungs conceived in the womb, whatever, there's a reason for you, is really shocking. Matter of fact, it's not just shocking. It's shocking to me that without knowing the Bible, they're quoting it. Without knowing the truth of Scripture, their heart already knows the truth of Scripture. The second statistic that was in this, you know, 8 out of 10 believe that there's an ultimate purpose, but more than 2 in 3, that was just 68%, say a major priority in their life is finding their deeper purpose. That 8 out of 10 believe there is one, and 7 out of 10 are still looking for it. Let it sink in. 8 out of 10 believe there's a bigger purpose than just the nine-to-five black coffee, going to work, screwing the nut in the bolt, mowing the grass, shampooing the dog, plowing the snow, life. And because of that, we also get to know that seven out of 10, eight out of 10 believe it, but nine out of 10, sorry, went the wrong way. Eight out of 10 believe it, but seven out of 10 are still looking for it. The last one was interesting, that almost three and four, 73% say it's important they pursue, everybody say pursue pursue a higher purpose and meaning in their life. Now, just to give you a, a cultural perspective, a personal testimonial perspective of this, a friend of mine the other day got a shot for something. He had some allergies and they gave him a shot. It felt a little different and he felt a little different, but he's a man. So he got behind the wheel of his pickup truck anyway. Can you imagine a world without women? I just, anyway, he got into his truck. He's driving out 23, talking to his mom, who's a nurse and says, I feel weird. I feel kind of... She said, pull over. He pulled over to the right, but he woke up having crossed across all the lanes of traffic on US 23 after having hit the, the guardrail and his truck was overheating and smoke and steam was coming out. He realized then he's in big trouble. He sent a text to his mom saying, I think I'm dying and I just wanted to say I love you. He sent a text to his ex-wife saying, tell our daughter I love her and then lost consciousness again. Woke up in the back of an ambulance. So three days later, he said, it's a wonderful story, Jim. Thank you. I feel encouraged by that. Someone else's life is worse than mine. Thank you. Welcome to church. Glad you're here. Take a loaf of bread home with you. The, um, the, the, he, he gets done. He does a Insta tweet, grandma face. What do you call it with the Instagram? Instagram posts? Okay. He put his face on a camera. And for three minutes, he said this. I almost died the other day. These are the circumstances of the accident. This is what I went through. And two things happened to me I'll never forget. Number one was this. I was at complete peace, even with the fact that I thought I was dying because I'm right with God. And if you're not right with God, he said, you need to get right with God because this ain't a joke. Life is like that. And because life is like that, the second thing I realized is that because I'm living within my purpose, I didn't have any regrets in the way that I was currently living my life. I've had regrets my whole life about my whole life. But as I was realizing I was dying, I realized I was in the sweet spot of my life. And if you don't know the purpose to your life, you need to figure, you need to get right with God and figure out what your purpose is. Have a nice day. Within eight hours, 110,000 people had watched that video. A month later, 670,000 people 
have saw it, shared it. There's over 7,000 comments on that saying, how do I find my purpose? Do I have a purpose? I've been through so much. I've done so much. I am so much. Can I still possibly have meaning in my life? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a single mom working two jobs with four kids. I, I, I don't have time to even think about the luxuries of purpose. What do I do? So today, we're going to talk about purpose. Somebody say amen. One of my favorite topics, because I think, I think working and serving and enjoying Jesus has a lot to do with understanding purpose. When God creates Adam and Eve, he puts them in a garden and gives them a purpose. It's like, okay, this is heaven on earth, so just do whatever you want to do. It's like, no, I made a garden. You're going to take care of it. You're going to be creative with it. You're going to care for it. You're going to uproot this and plant that over there. You're going to deal with these issues. I, you know, I, in a world without mosquitoes, you can do whatever you want, but I want you to enjoy this garden. But there's work to be done because there's a reason for you. Now, we're going to find out what our reason is today, and we're going to take a little bit of time looking at it. Um, the first three weeks of November, we're going to take a deep dive into the passion as a clue, pain as a clue, and proficiency as a clue. You say, I, I've heard this teaching. I'm going to teach it in a way I've never taught it before, and I would say this as well. I know this is kind of an infomercial, but if you have friends that don't know Jesus or know Jesus but aren't a part of a church or know Jesus and they are a part of a church but they don't know who they are, they need to be here those three weeks. This is an evangelistic outreach because it, when their world is already talking about purpose, why isn't this world shouting what it is? If eight out of 10 in the world believe there is a purpose and seven out of 10 haven't found it yet, come on, this is a no-brainer. This is why when Jesus is at the well and the woman comes thirsty, he talks about water. Why? Because she's thirsty. That's what she was thinking about anyway. When he's at the wedding and the bride and the groom are off, you know, getting pictures taken, which took a long time because someone had to draw it with chalk on a cave wall. I'm making that up, but it's probably partially true, right? You ever been to the wedding where the bride and the groom and their family goes away for 14 hours while you're sitting there with nuts and mints? Done a lot of weddings, eating a lot of mints. Drives me nuts. Right? And then he says, I'm the bread of life. Well, I mean, no, in a hungry wedding setting, someone says bread, or he goes, oh, Scooby snack, right? Everybody's like, bread, why? Because they're thinking about food. Jesus is talking about food. Because she's thinking about water. Jesus is talking about water. They're thinking about life not having a purpose. We should be talking about... I love you guys. You're so much fun. Let's find out what it is. Luke chapter 10. You guys ready? Luke chapter 10, verse 25. I'm going to show you something. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Study those words and you'll find out it probably doesn't mean what we think it means. But what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? How, how, how do you read it? And the guy answers this way. He says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus goes, you know, Bingo, you, you've got it right. You connected the dots. Good for you. That's, that's wonderful. You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Help me out now, quiz time. What is the this in that sentence? Do this, two things. Two things we're gonna love. What is it? We're gonna love, we're gonna, something like a hamburger? What was it? Oh, your neighbor. I said, love hamburgers. I'm like, no, you'll go to, to heaven earlier than you want to, but no, it's just love God and secondly, love Love your neighbor, love people. Love God, love people. We got it? Ephesians chapter two. Let's add to that as well. For we are God's workmanship. You thought you'd get out of here one Sunday without hearing this scripture, didn't you? I'm sorry to disappoint you. Here it comes. We're God's workmanship. We're his handiwork. We're his poema. We're his masterpiece. We're his poem. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Which God prepared when? In advance for us to do. Third question. So we know that we're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love people. 
And there's a reason for us, and that reason is to love to serve. We got it, right? So doing this is going to require some going. You guys still here? I'm just reading the Bible this morning. Like, Dina, don't get mad at me if you don't like it. I'm not the author. I'm just here to present the truth to you. Here we go. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and, and, and make what I've made you to be. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And, and Shirley and Bill and Fred and all you people, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Now, it's important we point out one thing before we move forward. He's talking about disciples, not converts. The word disciple has within it the root word for the, for the same word, discipline. Those who have found, those who have purposed, those who have worked, those who have worked, those who have worked, <laughs> if I said that enough, those who have, have made themselves available to, those who have not taken the easy way, they, they realize they're training for war. It may be a time of peace, but they're training for war. Discipline, push-ups, sit-ups in the physical realm. They're reading, they're praying, they're aware of this. Because if your life has a reason, and that reason is combat, you better know how to fire your primary weapon. Your life has a purpose, and if your purpose is athletics, you better know what, what the, the lactic acid threshold is in your body and how much you know, oxygen you need versus CO2 and all that stuff. You better train. If you're going to succeed, you've got to train. To be a follower of Jesus is not easy, although we only ask for one thing, everything. Yeah. Blew my line over did that. Mary, it was you, wasn't it? Okay. I'm preaching my sermon when I'm preaching my sermon. Get your daughter under control there. Well, you don't appreciate that. So they have purpose. What's purpose? Well, they had to love Jesus. Because they love Jesus, they love their neighbor. Because they love their neighbor, they made uh, the person of Jesus known to them by serving them, and then they, they went, right? So it all came together for the first time. Please get this. This is such a beautiful scene. I, I don't think I've set it up very well, but my microphone didn't work, and it threw me. But I'm here now. You guys ready? You feel it? Deep breath. There we go. When it all came together, it's in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. We're, we're our, there are disciples now. There's the Holy Spirit now. 120 people in an upper room just became 2,120 people in a temple court. And, and it sets up this beautiful um, dynamic of three environments. You guys know these environments probably, but here we go. There's a large room environment. We call that the love God environment. Does that make sense? So the love God environment is let's all come together and be inspired. Let's, let's hear, let's see, let's experience, let's pray for miracles, but let's, let's do the stuff, let's teach the stuff, let's be inspired. The second environment is the love people environment. It's a small room. I got slides for this, guys. Uh, there's a small room environment where it's just, it's like a, more like a family room. It's more like, um, oh, I don't know. It's, 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 I can talk to Will and Will can talk to me. When I'm talking right now, Will probably shouldn't say, uh, Pastor, I have a question right? And Josh is like, I, I think you're wrong. That might be an issue. But if, if the three of us are in a family room together, Josh can say, hey, I, you know, I, may the spirit of idiot come off your face. Jim, I think you're wrong. We should talk about this. If Will has a gift or Josh has a gift or I have a gift, we can begin to apply that in various ways that are effective. And then the love to serve environment. So we've got the large room. We've got the small room. And we got the, let's just give them room. You still here? Let's just give them room to be what God created them to be. Now, we're going to see this all come together in Acts chapter 2. You guys ready? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Got your Bibles. Here we go. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let me ask you, what environment is that? Is that a big room, a small room, or a given room? It's a given room to the apostles. What is it to the church? It's a big room. It's a love God environment. Let's go on. And to fellowship, to breaking of bread. Is that a big room or is that a small room? 
small rooms. That's the love people environment. And to prayer. Are they praying over themselves, about themselves, for themselves? Probably not. What are they doing? They're praying for others. Love to serve. Look at the very next verse. Here we go again. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The apostles are doing this in the temple court. Large group, love God environment. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That's a love people environment. They're all together. They have everything in common. They're sharing that. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They did that personally. They did it corporately. We know in Acts chapter four, but they did it personally as well. Oh, Matt needs a new hat. I've got two. I'm going to give Matt one of my hats. I love your hat, by the way. It just wouldn't fit because you have a huge head, but I'm just saying, (laughs) put mine on. It'd be fun just to get a headache, right? That's the love to serve environment. Let's continue. The very next verse, every day they continue to meet in the temple courts. Is that a G, P, or S? It's a G. It's a love God environment, large group environment. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Big room or small room? You guys getting this? Every verse after the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.42, all the way down through Acts 2.47, they literally say, love God environment, love people environment, love to serve environment. What they do next, the next verse, they love God, they love people, and they love to serve. What about the verse after that? They love God, come on. They love people and they love to serve. So Acts, you know, We're kind of in Acts 29, the chapter after the last chapter of the book of Acts. The apostles are still doing things. The church is still on the move. Come on. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be loving, loving, and loving to serve. It's in the Bible. It's right there. Why is that? Let me just tell you what happens in a love God environment versus a love people environment versus a love to serve environment and how God uses those things to really craft, refine, and reveal who God made you to be. The love God environment, I I think, should be defined by inspiration. I think we should be inspired. When we come together and Dina shares a story about somebody that trusted God with their finances, you say, well, did it raise another $10 a week or another? It doesn't matter. What matters is faith grew. Budgets grow and budgets shrink. But people who trust God more, trust God more. And if we're gonna need anything in the days to come, come on. It's people that trust God no matter what. And the days behind as well. We should be inspired. The love people environment. We have to go from inspiration at some point to application. I am so inspired by that message on love. Well, that's great, but you still don't know how to love people until you get around them. How many know Christianity is easy until you meet another Christian? Following Jesus is fun, you know, until he goes somewhere. So what I'm saying is this, that application, that school of application, you can be inspired by the greatest oratory, the greatest music, go to the greatest church with the greatest preachers, but you will never mature outside of community. I said this two weeks ago, and right now, Pastor Carl, I think, told me where about 50% of Sunday morning attendance is now involved in a small group. Congratulations. That's huge. That, that is an amazing leap forward for group ministry. So all I have to do is convince the other half of you that you, you can grow, there can be life, there can be growth, but there cannot be fruit. You can grow. I heard the seeds and planted in me, but it's still amongst so many weeds that maturity is impossible. We need to be around other people. When I say, does this shirt make me look fat? They say, no, it's not the shirt's fault at all. <laughs> we need accountability. Love God, inspiration. Love people, application. Love to serve, perspiration. Christianity is not a philosophy. It's, it's a life's quest. Let me say that again. It's, it's not a philosophy. Well, I believe this, and that's why I vote this way. Well, aren't you sweet? I believe this, and this is why I speak this way or don't speak this way. That's wonderful. 
but until we are busy doing the things, hear me, that align with our purpose that we are created to do, your, even, I want to say this the right way and I'm saying it so poorly. It doesn't matter what you do until you do what you were created to do. It won't satisfy you. Let me ask you a question. You ever heard of someone who's rich and famous and successful committing suicide? Why? Ever, ever seen someone who's like totally good looking or totally brilliant or totally known and their life is more miserable than yours? Why? Because it doesn't matter what they did. It matters what they did in accordance with the purpose for which they were created. The satisfaction of your life is not found in how many dollars are in your bank account, how many cars are in your garage, how many people think you're cool on InstaFace. The satisfaction of your life is based upon the obedience to which you can give Christ your best in alignment with what he created you to do. When you realize who you are and you get to start being what you're created to do, there's a satisfaction that comes to life regardless of success. When we're judged at the end of this, the word success will never be mentioned. They'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. So quality and fidelity matter. But success is not something that's measured outside of quality and fidelity. Do the best you can for as long as you got. Give him everything you've got for as long as you can take it. Quality and fidelity. Stick to it. Don't quit. Don't, don't get sidetracked. Don't get diluted. Don't get polluted. Don't get bitter. Don't, don't get divided. Just quality and fidelity. And when you give God your very best through quality and fidelity in alignment with who God made you to be, life is really starting to be fun. These are the refining fires, guys. I've never known anybody who's worth their weight in saliva in the kingdom that hasn't been through loving God environments, loving people environments, and loving to serve environments. We have to be there for each other. We have to be there with each other. We have to know each other. And when this happens, something else happens. Give me that triangle picture up there, will you? So the, there's a triangle that comes. Look, this is, this is basically my understanding of church growth. Um, the base of the pyramid predetermines the stable height. So when pastors get together, they say things like, how many people you got coming to your church now? We try not to say that because it, it just reveals us to be totally insecure, or totally egotistical. But, but we did, Pastor Skip, am I right? Get together with other pastors. They're like, hey, how's it going? How's your family? How's it? How many are you running now? We want it to be the first question, but we hide it amongst other normal questions that make us appear to be caring and mature. But you know what? Like, it doesn't matter how many people attended church last week or next week or this week to some degree. I'm not saying numbers aren't important because numbers represent souls, but a sustained, you cannot be discipled by an event. You're discipled through a series of ongoing, maturing actions and gifts and inspiration, application, perspiration, growing, growing together, growing together. So if I had a thousand people here last week, well, that, that's great. But the question I'm more concerned with now is not how many do we have, how many do we have ministry to, it's how many do we have ministry for? Does that make sense? Pastor Kim, your congregation in Holly, how many people were there on average when you started? Or, you know, as it grew, was it 50-ish people somewhere in there? Can I make it 50 because it's a round number and it helps me out? Okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you experienced the doubling of your church in one story. Yeah. I never let facts interrupt a good story. Remember that. It's called, it's called evangelistic preaching. There it is. Thousands were saved last Thursday night. And you should give. That's, you know. But Pastor Kim and Judy, his wife, Pastor Judy as well. She's a these ordained minister as well. Church in Holly. Let's say they have 50 people in it. Now, that's how many they have ministry to. And let's say that's how many they have ministry for. If they had 60 people show up, 10 of them, there wouldn't be something for them. They wouldn't stick. If, if there was 30, but they had ministry for 50 people, they'd connect with the ministries. They'd want to be a part of that. They, they would arrive at 50 people. But let's say on, on any given Sunday, that family walks in. You know what that family is? That family. There's only five of them. But when they walk through the door, the, the oldest boy who's in his 20s had a heart for youth ministry. 
and would love a place to serve amongst the youth. And, and the daughter can play piano and sing at the same time. And, and, and another one comes in, and she's an entrepreneur who just who can just see things and the process and how they're going to happen, how to multiply, how to manage, how to figure things out, right? And, and together, they're like the Von Trapp family singer plus Jesus, right? So when they say, doh, dear, people want to get saved, right? Jesus, a lamb. I'm making you cry. I just sang for one second, right? And all of them are intercessory prayers. So we just grew from 50 to 55. So by what percent did we just grow? From 50 to 55 is a what percent increase? 10% increase. But do you see what happened at the base? We didn't grow by, by 10%. We grew by 200%. Why? Because now if someone walks in with a young person in their tribe that, you know, my teenage daughter's here, she wants to get to know other kids, and there's no kids, and there's no youth ministry, there's a good chance that either that, that family will not come back, or if they do, that child will have a drug problem. Like, mom drugged me to church again. But if there's a youth ministry in the base of that pyramid, and she shows up, and she sees three of her friends from school, and that cute boy that she's liked, who loves Jesus, it's called evangelistic dating. It's in the Bible somewhere. Just give me some time. I'll find it. All right? And then they decide to stick to it. Well, because they had ministry for that child, ministry to that family increased. Does this make sense? So even though they went from 50 to 55, they really didn't. It's just a matter of time that the 50 to 55 becomes 55 to about 105. Why? Because everybody came with who they were. They've been refined. They know how to pray. They have gifts that are developed. They're ready to serve. Do you see what I'm saying today? The purpose of your life is like the church. It's like the business. It's like the family. That applies to everything in your life. You want your finances to grow, figure it out. You want your business to grow, figure it out. You want the kingdom to grow, figure it out. But there, we, we grow to the base of our pyramid. This is why the pyramids of Giza for 4,500 years have stood without maintenance and are still fine as structures today and why the Washington Monument is rarely seen without scaffolding around it. The base of it predetermines the stable height. So if you get this going, give me the next graphic, guys. What you see is that GPS begins to kind of form uh, what we call it, an infinite motion machine, something that kind of continues without effort. So if I love God, the Bible says that the next thing I'm going to love is what? I'm going to love people. John says, if you, you know, love me, then you say you don't love people, but you do love God. He actually says, boop, you're a liar. Like that, pants Jeff, that was what that was. Or toga Jeff, I don't know what it was back in his day, but it's like, nope, that ain't true. You're a liar, right? So if I love God, the next thing I'm going to love is people. And if I love people, I'm going to find a way to serve them, aren't I? You know, I'm in that small group and somebody's car's broken down and man, I don't know how to repair stuff, but I, I got a hundred extra bucks because it showed up in the mail unexpectedly. And you've got $200 for the part of the bill, but it's a $300 bill and you know what to do. And we pray about it together. And I decide not to ask God for it. I decide to be God's answer to it. I find a way to serve. I make brownies. Well, that's great. I eat brownies. Let's get together. <laughs> right? That's the way the church grows. <laughs> Love God becomes love people, becomes love to serve. Well, if we love God well, will we love people? Yes or no? And if we love people well, will we find a way to serve them? Yes or no? And if we love to serve them, won't those people find God? So get this. Please hear me. When, when Jesus said, now go, as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. And he breathed on them and received the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20, verse 21. When Jesus does that, he's not saying, well, the church will do fine during this phase of life, but then it'll plateau during the kind of post-Christian era. And then his thought was never, listen, I'm not saying he didn't know it was gonna happen, but when Jesus released that, his thought is that as a snowball the size of his hand would roll down a hill for at least the next 2,000 years and grow every time it had another revolution. 
So why hasn't it? I, I just, are you guys okay? Okay, because I'm not going to step on your toes, but I'm about to break some of your legs. Because it only works if we do what we're commanded to do. And you, know, you want a church, you want a bigger church, you want the church to grow because the more, look, people are leaving just thinking about what I'm saying to myself, you know? No, give me, give me. My life isn't made simpler by more of you. How many of you guys have more than five kids? Raise your hand. What was simpler, four or five? How many of you guys are like, I got five kids, but I'm too tired to raise my hand, preacher. Just shut up. Just, I don't want to talk about it. I'm, I'm here for therapy, right? Just, just get this. If you're avoiding the love God environment, you're, you're missing what God created you for, and you're missing what God expects of you. Uh, is this camera on, Josh? Do we know? Is this the one? Looking right in the camera. It's in your Pontotoc. You're in Grand Blank tomorrow night. You're, you're in Linden right now watching this. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you're part of a group. Those of you that, that, you know, Billy was sick or we're traveling right now. I know uh, Faye and the girls are up north. And uh, hi, Faye. Everybody say hi, Faye. She's up there with some of the girly girls hanging out. And our missionary, I'm sorry, our, our cross-cultural worker that's been here recently, uh, that sat there last week, that's, they're, they're up there hanging out, enjoying time. Like, I'm, I'm glad they're here. They're gonna be back here next Sunday and the Sunday after the Sunday. This like there were years before, right? But, but for those of you that are sitting at home right now saying, well, this is, this is my church. First assembly of family room. First assembly of PJs and scrambled eggs. You're, you're missing what God created you for and you're missing something that God expects of you. And, and I say this because there are things that happen when we come together, whether we know it or not, that will never happen apart from one another. I can't tell if you're okay watching on TV. And you can't tell if I'm okay watching on TV. I can't teach you what's really happening in my heart. This is a shotgun, but we can get into laser beam conversations in the floor of a church. I am not so naive, nor am I so egotistical. I can't say I'm humble because that would be egotistical, but you know what I'm saying? To realize that some of the best ministry happens outside this room, not inside this room. When you guys begin to speak to each other about what's really happening in your lives, God does amazing things in the parking lot of church. God does amazing things standing in line at the foyer. Whether or not people come back again or feel loved or feel a part of, I've had people say to me, it just drives me nuts. Like, you know, we stopped coming in COVID and I just don't feel connected to my church anymore. It's like, well, go with that feeling. You're not connected to your church anymore. You haven't been connected in two, three years. I feel separate. I feel apart. It's like, well, that's because you're separate and apart. I don't, I don't feel really connected to, like, you're not. And the only way to solve that is to get connected to, to make the effort. Well, we can't. You know, Billy's got, you know, soft, volley, ice, hockey ball. And I have to tweet it on, on face lips. You know what I mean? And I have to, guys, how do I say this the right way? The world is nuts, they're stupid, and they're wrong. When, when a five-year-old has to be at a mandatory practice or they're not allowed to play after you pay $200 for a jersey, that's a t-shirt with their name on the back. It's a mandatory practice. But church is optional? Well, no wonder. And let me tell you, though, those of you that are, that are, that are like de-churching, you still love Jesus. You're not de-converting, but you're de-churching. The families that de-church will have kids that are unchurched. They won't know anything about this. It'll be foreign to them. There'll be one more thing they don't need versus the thing that is the center of all the things. And I'm not saying we need a bigger church. You guys be more faithful. I'm saying this. You don't grow outside community. You need the love God environment. 
It's in the Bible. It's important. The second thing here, you're, you're avoiding the love people environment if you're not a part of a group. And if that's the case, then you're not maturing. Piano guy, join me if you would. That, that small group interaction, you might get it at your office. You might, you might get it at the, you know, uh, in your family. You might get that from your community. That's awesome. I'm not, I'm not saying if it isn't this, then it ain't nothing. I'm just saying if there aren't people that know you well enough to call you on your silliness, and you can't call others. If you don't have people close enough to you that when you're having a bad day, they can ask you a straight question, you lie to them and they know you're lying, then you're not safe. If, if boy, if, if you don't have people in your life that, that can correct you, you don't have anybody in your life that can protect you. If they're not close enough to you to say, hey, how you doing? Oh, huh, you know, pretty good. I think you just lied to me. What's going on? Oh, nothing, just kind of, you know. You just lied to me a second time. Third time I slapped you. Go ahead. How you doing? not doing well. I must know that there's a lot of life on the other side of a confession like that. Or there's a lot of death on the side that never got called on it. I hear people say, I'm just so busy. And you know what's funny is that's exactly what Jesus said you'd say. How many guys know that everywhere we are, Jesus has already been there and kind of roped us off. I'm too busy. Well, that's what he says in Luke chapter 8. He talks about the words that he speaks, the word of God's like seeds and it's thrown on ground and some of it hits and the birds come and get it and some are shallow ground. They sprout up, they're excited, but then as soon as the sun comes out, they fade. And, but talk about a third group that I, I think is probably more common to my soul as a, a, something to be aware of. And that is the word is sown, but the cares, the worries, the pleasures, let me go King Jim a little bit, the distractions. He actually talks about the deceitfulness of wealth. I believe it's in Mark's gospel. Like other things, the desire for other stuff, it chokes it out. You say, well, I'm growing. Well, that's good. We should expect growth when seed hits soil. But unless, unless the soil is free from other seeds that soak the maturity, soak the energy, soak, soak the nutrients out of the soil, the water of the soil, what ends up happening is, is it's, what we want is to see fruit. Well, we see life, we see growth, but we don't see fruit. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you did something in someone else's life for which they gave praise to God. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Are you guys feeling guilty yet? Don't feel guilty. If you feel guilty, I'm, I'm doing this wrong. Like, think happy thoughts as I'm breaking both your legs. I'm, I'm just, I think we set the bar to Christianity so low that sometimes it doesn't really bear the proper resemblance to Christ. You gotta love God. Come on, he said it. You gotta love people. That's purposeful. That's priority. It's not a suggestion. And the last thing he says is, is, is this. If you're, if you're missing the love to serve environment, well, here's my, my biggest concern is you're not you. If we're Christ Jesus' poem created to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do, and we don't do them, I mean, then that's awful. <laughs> Can you catch this, Nick? hit Ashley in the face. Yeah. Last statement. How many guys believe that? Pretty close to the last statement. Now they're always facing this way. You can see that I'm two minutes over. Before it was a secret, only I knew. And I was like, well, okay. All right. It's 10 o'clock. Get over it. You will never be satisfied with a life that imitates what you want it to be. You will only be satisfied with the life for which you were created to live. That's it. And my, my goal for you as a friend, as a fellow mammal, <laughs> but as a pastor, man, I don't know. 
I like motorcycles, you know? Great, take a picture while I'm pulling up my pants. I appreciate that. That was a wonderful timing. <laughs> I got a motivational speaker today down by the river in his van. <laughs> I, I like motorcycles. They're, they're okay. I, every time I get off of one, I feel like I cheated death. But I, I like them, right? But Tom, you kind of belong on one, right? Would you be satisfied in a Volkswagen Beetle Club? <laughs> I mean, Tom looks at a bike and he sees purpose. I look at a bike and I, I see a distraction from life or maybe the end of it. Public speaking, I, I hope you guys understand this is one of the most satisfying, wonderful, delightful things I get to do. Say, why do services go so long? Because I'm having fun. Shut your pie hole. Just let me be me. There are other people, they run towards marriages that are really on the rocks. Husband and wife hate each other. Like, oh, I can't wait to get there. I'm like, I thank you. Can't do it. Motorcycles can't do it. Public speaking. And you've heard me say this before, but I think it's I think it's kind of funny that the number one fear of Americans is what I get to do, not what I have to do. The number two fear, number one, number two fear of Americans is death. And so again, just it's funny to me that people would rather be the guy in the box in the casket than the guy talking about the guy in the casket. But I, I get to do this. This is fun for me. This is life for me. I'm fulfilled when I get to be me. Do you see that? So what about you? What's your purpose? What are you supposed to be doing? Maybe it's business. Maybe it's ministry. Maybe it's entrepreneurialism. It's certainly prayer. It's leadership. It's loving. But if you don't know what it is, if you're the 8 out of 10 that believe that there is a purpose and you're also the 7 out of 10 that don't know what it is yet, then how do you find out? Well, you get inspired in a large group setting, just like they did in the book of Acts. You get you get in the school of application. You're around other people and you ask questions and you figure this out. Our groups, many of them will go over this sermon this week and just talk about this amongst themselves, amongst friends they've learned to trust. And then that school of, you know, perspiration where you actually get to go out and get on the motorcycle. And we didn't see the Allen's. How many weeks have you guys gone this summer? Like most of the summer, right? Because you got your motor running. You know what I mean? Born to praise God. You know? My mom saw that. Sorry, mom. I, I don't know that song. Like a... What's your life? Just do this. 30 seconds. Close your eyes and ask God that question. God, what is my life? What is my life? What am I doing here? What am I doing that I should stop doing because it's just not me? What is it I should start doing? Because your grace is on it for me. God, I'm never going to be satisfied with a life I wasn't created to live. So why am I created? What is my life that is abundant? What decisions do I need your strength to make? What courage do I now need to employ? What conversations do I need to have? I don't know why I have this one in my head, guys. And if it's me, don't just ignore it. But what I felt just then was like, what do you need to quit? What do you need to stop? What do you need to make room for? What, what weeds just need to be pulled? By the way, I'm, I'm all for kids' sports. I, I, I made it sound like I wasn't. I'm all for it. I just, the world around us makes unimportant things so important at the expense of the truly important things. I'm not mad at sports. I'm not mad at coaches. Love them all. Cheer for my grandson playing t-ball every Saturday morning all summer long. I love it. 
got a home run every game because it's T-ball. Everybody gets a home run every game. I cheered like an idiot, proud of my grandbaby. I am for those moments. Those are family moments, but not at the expense of things that are more important. So, Father, I pray, what are the things? Is it a job? Is it a, is it a distraction? Is it old friends that aren't heading in the new direction? Is it, what is it? Give me the courage to say goodbye so I have, make room for the things I need to say hello to. What is my purpose? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm, and I'm just curious. Jim, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know my purpose. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I, I, want, I want to know that. If everybody knows their purpose, then great, my job's done. But if seven out of 10 go, I don't know, then understand we're going to have some more conversations. I know my purpose. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? I know my purpose. I know it. I know what it is. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know who I'm supposed to be doing it with. I know it. I'm going to live on that boat, man. I know it. Right on. So honestly, don't put your hands back down. It's, it's 5%, not 70%. 5% of our room says I know what it is. We're going to talk more about this in November. Before I let you go, would you open your eyes, look here, and I'll let you go in 90 seconds. Purpose, as in my passion, pain, proficiency, purpose is in the group environments, the large group, small group, the going group, making room, small room, give them room. Those are all wonderful, but, but you've got to hear me. It's like we're building this machine that has no gas in it. It's like it's this big, electrified, wonderful gizmometer that does all the stuff that a gizmometer should do, but it isn't plugged in yet. The power for the life you actually want to live is not found in my words. It's not found in your actions. It's found in your creator. The, the relationship with God is, is again, it's a very simple thing. It really requires only one thing, as Mary told us. It's just everything. So I had to lay down my rights. No, no, you, you get to pick up your responsibilities. It's even worse than that. But you'll find that being a bond slave of Christ will make you more free than you ever were before being a bond slave to Christ. You'll find that laying your life down actually gives you more life to live. I, I can't explain it to you, but somehow that person who gave more ended up feeling better about their life than the person who gave nothing. Does that make any sense to you? I don't, I don't understand it, but I see it. I see it all the time. There's something that's very upside down about the kingdom of God as opposed to the, this world. And so the first thing has to be the first thing. If your heart and his heart are a mile away because if you believe that what you've done is greater than what he's done for you, you believe that your trespasses are so many that his love now is so distant that, that when I get my life together, I'll, then, I'll, then I'll ask God about my life. But right now I'm so far from God. Here's the neat thing is it doesn't matter how far away from God you are. It matters how near he is to you. And scripture tells us he's like in the mention of his name. He's right here. He's right now for you. So if your heart's like way over there, understand wherever your heart is, he's right next to you saying, are you ready to come home? He's looking, he's waiting, he loves you. Jesus lives this beautiful, sinless life. He dies a death substitutionary for my sins. He takes on what I should have gotten the beating he got. I should have gotten the execution he got. I'm a criminal, he's innocent. I'm a son of the devil, he's the son of God. And yet he takes, because of love, my position, my posture, and he gives his life for me. And now he kind of gives me this garden and says, Go, go be you, Jim. That's all, that's all he wants from me. It's just me. Not my imitation of Benny Hinn or Billy Graham or, you know, Paula White. Like, I do a terrible Paula White imitation, right? He just wants me to be me. So I, I'm just saying this to you. He just wants you to be you, but he wants you to be you with him. So one last time, close your eyes. Father, if there's anybody here whose heart is far from you, then this is the moment you've been waiting for. Since Jesus yelled in agony on the cross, it's finished. It's paid for. 
It's ready. It's done. Now, from this day forward, anyone, everyone can never say again that what they've done is greater than what I've done for them. No one can ever say the cost of their actions are greater than my ability to pay for the actions committed. Sins are forgiven. They're removed. God doesn't paint over rust. He puts on brand new metal. And in this room right now, if you're not right with him, then this is your moment. Jesus, forgive us. Jesus, love us. Jesus, help us. Jesus, make us born again. Come on, Lyndon. Jesus, love us. Forgive us. Born again. Come on, Grand Blanc. Come on, Pontotoc. Come on, radio station. Come on, everybody's watching a a year from now. Jesus, forgive us. Give us a fresh, clean slate. I'm going to turn you guys back over to your pastors and Lyndon and wherever. God bless you. You have a blast. Talk to you soon. As far as Freedom Center, Fenton campus goes, how many guys are ready for next week? We're going to talk about purpose as worship. The songs we sing are awesome. The dances we dance please the Lord. But the lives we live have a greater impact than we probably know. So I'm not quite sure. We'll just talk more about it next week. You guys good? Stand your feet all over this room. Find someone in need. Give them a hug. Find someone in need. Give them a word. Find someone in need. Give them a prayer. But don't leave here until you've had an opportunity to be the church. In the meantime, live long, prosper. You are dismissed. God bless you. We'll see you very, very, very soon.